Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. Like Jeff, I'm also a certified financial planner professional. This show is all about helping you discover what matters most and helping you get your actions and resources in alignment with your goals. We combine excellence in wealth management with the pursuit of meaning and purpose in your life. Jeff Bernier is the founder, president, and chief investment officer of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, a wealth management firm in Alpharetta, Georgia, a suburb in the greater Atlanta area. Hey, Jeff, how are things? Well, you know, it's we're still in this weird uh, environment, I guess, that we're trying to to come out of. Um, and I'm just, I'm just thankful for the resources that we have with technology to still be able to serve our clients effectively with technology. And, you know, just like this podcast and the other uh, communication tools that we use, I'm just thinking that uh, this is a really important environment to communicate with, you know, communicate with people that are important to us. And that would include our clients and our listeners. Well, and I, I heard from our guests before we started recording that what we're communicating <laughs> today is actually being under-communicated at the moment, at a time when people need to hear this message the most. So what's on our yeah. plate for the discussion today? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I'll, I'll, I'll run with that uh, as I introduce uh, our, our guests. So yeah, I mean, so we're in an environment where a lot of people are focused on the economy and markets and and maybe some other really critical areas of wealth management are being uh, ignored or not really paying attention to, and things aren't changing. People are turning 65 every day. So I am really excited today to have our guest, uh, Melinda Coghill. Uh, so Melinda uh, has a lot of history in a lot of expertise in the area of Medicare planning. So, uh, and she gets it honestly. Her her mother is one of the foremost foreknown experts in the in the area. And uh, I I met Melinda recently. Uh, they've created a company that provides resources to wealth managers and to the retail public so we can make wise choices. And, and again, it's a pretty complex area, but she travels around the country, educating advisors like us, collaborating with advisors like us and helping us help our clients essentially with a complex area around Medicare planning. She does tons of public speaking, uh, enjoys being out in the marketplace. And again, I, I think she feels a little, uh, Sounds like she feels a little bit uh, stuck at home now. But anyway, welcome, Melinda. Thank you for joining <laughs> us today for the for the podcast. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, that is so true. I am so cooped up. This is not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For extroverts, it's really hard. You must be an extrovert. I am. I, yeah. I definitely am, and I'm making everybody around me and my family absolutely nuts. Well, that's a, well, that's okay. That's 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 what family's for, I guess. So, anyway, well, thanks for joining us today. I, I, I you're um, welcome. Yeah. So, um, I always like to start these conversations just getting to know the the, the guest a little bit. So, we have an audience of uh, people who are interested in how to combine um, wise decisions around wealth management with how to have more meaning and purpose in their life. And certainly Medicare planning is a big part of it. But before we start, can you just tell us briefly about yourself and your family and how you got involved in this type of work? 
So, so in, in my bio, it literally says that Medicare is a family tradition and that oh, wow. actually, <laughs> that is, that is not an understatement. Um, my mother is a nationally recognized Medicare expert of several decades. Um, she's a Forbes contributor. She also does public speaking around the country. Her office is right next to mine. So we're co-founders in the company that we have. But um, basically, when I was growing up, she started a company out of the basement of our home, educating the nation's home health care agencies and long-term care facilities on how to comply with changing Medicare regulations. Yeah, wow. So... <laughs> As a result, Medicare was literally discussed regularly nightly at the dinner table. (laughs) So I guess you could say I was spoon fed Medicare growing up. Right. right. (laughs) So that's how that's how somebody, quote unquote, my age um, gets to know Medicare the way that I do. So interesting family and, tradition. Yeah. And the listeners don't know this, but we're doing this over Zoom. So we're we're looking at each other and talking and and, and you look absolutely normal. So you didn't get none of this, none of this dinner table talk. <laughs> can, going can, up this about, is recorded, right? Like I can is. have I can play that for my family members. You can. Yeah. You, yeah. So that's great. So, you know, it, it you grew up in the business, knowing the business and learning. Yeah. about about it at the dinner tables. That's, that's pretty interesting. Well, yeah. you know, well, it is a, it is a, it is a challenging time for people and obviously older people, more mature Americans uh, or, or around the globe really uh, are getting hit double here. They're obviously most at risk for the COVID-19. Um, I mean, some of the statistics coming out are just really heartbreaking in terms of the nursing homes, but the older, more mature people are really the most vulnerable in terms of the healthcare crisis. And, and they also, you know, have a lot of complexity and what to deal with their finances and is the money going to last and what do we do and how do we get care. And obviously, as they approach 65 or make medical, uh, medical choices in terms of their healthcare uh, expenses, Medicare is huge. Um, so tell me a little bit about this environment. What do you see or um, what's unique about this environment and planning around the Medicare choices that our, our listeners have? Well, so what I'm about to say is not super exciting, but <laughs> it's, it's what you literally just said. It is a word you just said, planning. Medicare is not something that people should assume is um, is easy. So you've probably heard Medicare for all, <laughs> Medicare right. for all. I've heard that and term the, the talking points of that are, it's free, it's simple, it's easy, it's single payer. Yeah, I don't know what they're talking about, but it's not Medicare. <laughs> Certainly not as it exists today. Yeah. So Medicare is not free. It is not simple. The booklet that you get in the mail when you're about to turn 65 explaining Medicare is 120 pages in length. Think about that. Yeah. It's supposed to be super easy, but the book is 120 pages just to enroll. Um, So really, truly, people need to plan for Medicare ahead of time. And this environment has created basically a scenario where planning is more important than ever. If you don't, if you're acting at the very last minute to take action to enroll in Medicare, you may find yourself out in the cold. So. Don't make assumptions. If there's one thing that you will take away from this podcast, don't make assumptions about Medicare. Please just 
actually take the time to look, to learn, and to figure out what Medicare means in your unique situation because everybody's situation is slightly unique. And as a result, the the things that you do that are best for you could be very drastically different than the person who just gave you recommendations or guidance. So yeah, yeah, that's well, that's important all the time. So the in terms of benefits in light of the pandemic, are there changes to any of the Medicare benefits the recipients yes. get today? Yes, the, the the, there are. But let me tell you what has not changed first, because I want to make this very clear. If you are turning 65, you still have to make decisions about Medicare enrollment. You don't get a delay. You don't get a do-over. Medicare has made no changes related to enrollment Roman. timing. So. Okay. All right. So what has changed are things like actually when you're already enrolled in Medicare, some of the benefits that you get, like if you need a coronavirus test that now has no copayment, um, Part D prescription drug coverage. They've waived the refill limits because of the difficulty of potentially getting in and getting refills. You can potentially not have refill limits, quantity limits is what it's called. Um, they're waiving the out-of-network um, prescription costs. So if you have to go to a pharmacy that's typically out-of-network, they're going to waive those, reimburse those extra costs. Um, no prior authorization for any COVID medications that you may need to take. So you don't have to call up the insurance company and get their permission before you can get those medications. No extra charges. If you need a single room, if you get COVID and you need to be quarantined in a single room, you won't be charged extra because you're not sharing the room. Right. Expansion of telehealth benefits, um, they're going to cover phone calls now. So these are the type of things that have changed. It's thing. It's the benefits for people already enrolled in Medicare. Got you. Well, you mentioned that the enrollment timing has not changed. So what do you do if the office is closed? I don't know <laughs> if, if some of the offices are not open today uh, during the, so, the shelter in place type of order. So what do you do? What was the process? So, so there, in, in in what we're calling normal times, in normal times, there's three distinct ways that you can enroll in Medicare. You can visit a local Social Security office. There is no such thing as a Medicare office. The Social Security Administration is in charge of Medicare, so you go to a Social Security office. You can schedule a phone appointment, or you can enroll online. Those are the typical things that happen in normal times. Obviously, with the shutdowns, the offices are closed. So they're, that one's out the window, all right? And now, because of the, uh, the extra additional pressure now on the remaining two options, yes, there are incredible hold times and disconnects on the phone calls. Oh, wow. So... So basically what this means and what this all boils down to is a mess, especially if you, here we go, we're going back to planning, if you haven't planned appropriately for Medicare. So um, we've been seeing lately a few scenarios. For example, we had a client, Barb. Barb got divorced and had a name change. Uh, she had to enroll in Medicare. She waited until like if your initial enrollment period begins three months before your birth month or 
four months before your birth month if your birthday's on the first of the month. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, she waited until 15 days before her birth month and she needed coverage to begin because she didn't have any. She never established a My Social Security account, which you need to enroll in Medicare. She never told Social Security that her name changed. So she can't get a My Social Security account online because Social Security doesn't know that she changed her name. In order to appropriately make name changes, you have to visit a Social Security office. Which is not open. Which is not open. Hmm. So what does Barb do? (laughs) Well, Barb has to package up all of her documents, her new, you know, divorce certificate and everything else, and put it in the mail. When will they get it? I don't know. When will they respond? I don't know. <laughs> will they? Will she get her documents back? I don't wow. know. Wow. How stressful. So, so that's why planning. And Barb knew she got divorced a while ago, and she knew her name changed a while ago. But it's one of these things, again, where I'll do that later. Yeah. But later, especially when it comes to Medicare and health care, some things really should not be put off. Well, well, I was, why don't we go ahead? One of the questions I was going to ask you is about the timing. So you already started there. So let's talk about uh, the timing to apply and your options relative to the timeline. So you just said you could begin the application process three months, generally speaking, prior to the month of your birthday. Is that what I heard? Sure. So, okay, so I'm going to I'm going to take this down to some very, very basics. Okay, hang in there with me. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to talk first about people turning 65. Okay, people turning 65. Your period to enroll in Medicare is called an initial enrollment period It is your initial period in which you can enroll in Medicare. Typically, it begins three months before your birth month includes your birth month, and then ends three months after your birth month. So it's a total of seven months. If your birthday happens to fall on the first of the month, then your special your initial enrollment period begins four months before your birth month, includes your birth month, and ends two months after your birth okay, month. Okay. Why? So because it's window. Medicare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seven month window. Um, If you're enrolling in the months after your birth month, be very cautious because when Medicare coverage actually begins varies greatly and it can be months into the future. So so that's the initial enrollment period. Not everyone who turns 65 has to enroll in Medicare. That is a huge myth. There are all sorts of myths and assumptions. And remember, don't make assumptions about Medicare. Some people need to enroll in Part A. A lot of people don't. Some people need to enroll in Medicare Part B. Some people really, really shouldn't. So, again, it really depends on your unique circumstances. If it turns out you're still working for a large employer or you have a spouse working for a large employer, more than 20 employees, you may not need to enroll in Part B. In fact, it may be bad if you do. Right. So what people 
who delay Medicare get worried about is, well, will I ever be able to enroll in Medicare then? Will I face late enrollment penalties? That's where this thing, the second enrollment period comes into play called a special enrollment period because you're special because <laughs> you've been working. Um, a special enrollment period basically is something, number one, you have to qualify for. You have to qualify for a special enrollment period. And the way you qualify for it is you've had coverage with no gaps of eight months or more. Okay. So you've, you have to qualify for this. If you've had gaps of coverage, you may not qualify for it. But if you qualify for it, you get to trigger it. You get to decide, okay, now I'm going to be leaving my employer plan. I want my special enrollment period. Thank you very much. You enroll in Part B, you have all of the bells and whistles of Part B, and away you go. So, so is, initial so is, enrollment period, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, the special enrollment period, is it also seven months? Is it the same or tight three months before? No. 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 Of course not. <laughs> no. No, of course not. A special enrollment period is eight months, whichever comes first. So it's based on one of two dates, either the date that employment ended, okay. so you no longer are actively working, or the date in which coverage ended, whichever comes sooner. Oh, okay, first. That is the date that starts your special enrollment period, which is eight months. And you've got eight months from that time to Yes, to eight months from that time. Or Part B. Mm -hmm. With guaranteed issue, essentially, and no penalty. No, guaranteed issue. We're talking about Part B. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, guaranteed issue is a totally different animal. Okay. So, and this is, see, can you guys see why people are like, what? Right. right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so they've got, so they, so they've got eight months from the earlier of termination of employment or termination of coverage. Mm -hmm. And that's just to have the ability to apply for Part B. That's correct. Okay. That is correct. Okay. And once you have Part B, then um, then the big decision that you have to make is what type of coverage do you want? Right. So um, in the Medicare landscape, there, there are two, basically two huge categories of coverage type. One type is called Medicare Advantage. So this is the stuff that, ooh, free, zero premium, you know, like it, that's Medicare Advantage, networks, um, out-of-pocket costs. Right. Then there's also a Medicare supplement with a Part D prescription drug plan. So a supplement, in order to get a Medicare supplement, also a Medigap policy, um, you have to have this thing called a guaranteed issue right. So um, a guaranteed issue right, Medigap policies, the insurance companies that provide those coverages can potentially ask you about your health and decide to charge you more or deny you coverage based upon your health if you don't have a guaranteed issue right. You have a guaranteed issue right for the first six months that you are enrolled in Part B. Hmm. Okay, that's the trick. That is the challenge. Because what if you enroll in Part B? And then, like, because I lost my job during COVID. I lost my job, so I went and I got Medicare. I enrolled in Part B, okay? Now my guaranteed issue right is ticking. But four months later, let's say, you know, that four months from now, 
things get a little bit more back to normal, I get to go back to work and I have new employer provided health coverage. Well, I don't want Medicare anymore. Medicare Part B is something I pay for and I now have employer provided health coverage. So I'm going to get out of Medicare Part B. Well, what happens two years, three years down the line when you want to get Part B again? Do you have a guaranteed issue right again? According to the rules, you cannot stop, change, or restart your guaranteed issue right once it has begun. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay, so if you enrolled in Part B uh, and you went back to corporate work and got corporate coverage and you come back and you don't have guaranteed issue on Part B. Your health plays a big role. Then you've got to qualify. You may. So in that case, they would have been better off buying an individual contract for their coverage for their live work. In your example. So I'm. Okay. Yeah. So in (laughs) your example, I've lost. So they have gotten a marketplace plan. Is that what you're asking? Well, I'm just asking the question if, if you look, so if you are, uh, if you've, if you've lost your job, we're got a recession. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are going to lose their jobs. Um, and you're over 65, so you could clearly, but you want to go back to work. You, you would rather go mm-hmm. back to work. If you apply for Medicare Part B, as you just mentioned, you will have the six-month guaranteed window. But if you give it up, if you decide three years from now or a year from now or two years from now to come back in, it may no longer be guaranteed issue in that current circumstance. So mm-hmm. what what do most people do if they want to preserve the ability later to go into part B with guaranteed issue. If I'm being really honest, people don't know about guaranteed issue right when they're making these decisions. So three years from now, it's just one heck of a big nasty surprise. Oh, wow. Yeah. Most people, because (laughs) guaranteed issue right is this like nasty little well-kept secret in the Medicare industry overall. If you buy a Medicare Advantage plan when you turn 65, they will tell you you can switch to original Medicare any year you want during open enrollment. But they will never mention you may or may not be able to get a Medicare supplement plan due to guaranteed issue. They don't have to tell you that. Yeah. Nobody ever has to talk about guaranteed issue right and since it's kind of depressing yeah. people don't yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so most of the people in the situation that you were just talking about don't know about guaranteed issue right the second thing that we often hear is that well you can give it a shot anyway <laughs> and if you get it you can get it fantastic but we what we teach are what the rules say So the rules say that you cannot change, restart, or redo your guaranteed issue right window. If it turns out that you can sneak through somehow and apply and get a Medicare supplement without underwriting, more power to you. Yeah. (laughs) Just know that's not the rule. Yeah, I think think what a lot of people do occasionally is they will uh, just say, well, look, I'm leaving this employer. It's a large employer. I might as well just take COBRA. So, oh God! Well, exactly. So I, I read some of your. I watched your video on the dangers of Cobra. So if if yeah, the, the circumstance we just talked about, you lost your job. Um, 
tell us what COBRA is, first of all, and then <laughs> okay. tell us the dangers of being enrolled in COBRA if you later decide to go back into the Medicare system. Okay. By the way, are we having fun yet or what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so what makes COBRA so dangerous is the fact that it looks and feels exactly like the employer coverage that the senior has had all along. Okay. Like to them, nothing has changed. They have the same insurance card. They're paying more for the coverage now, but to them, it's the same, right? right? Same group, yeah. As soon as employer-provided coverage is no longer related to active employment, Medicare treats it differently. This is not employer coverage to Medicare. This is essentially like a retiree coverage. Uh, Yeah, a post-retire, it's like a post-employment plan. As a result, COBRA is secondary to Medicare, meaning you have to enroll in Medicare Parts A and Part B in order to have a primary payer. If you don't enroll in Medicare Parts A and B and you wind up in the emergency room, you're going to be told, you don't have a primary payer. How do you plan on paying for this? Wow. Because Medicare should be the primary payer. Yeah. So the COBRA is the secondary payer. It will pick up what Medicare would not pick up. But who's going to pick up that first 80, 90 percent if you don't have Medicare? So if, so, so if someone leaves employment after 65 and they, and they selected COBRA, they would still need to go ahead and apply from Medicare Part A and Part B. That's correct. Right? That's correct in order yeah. to have a primary payer. Gotcha. Um, and some people don't. And then they wind up in these situations. I have a horrible case study. <laughs> feel like a horrible case study. Yeah. A woman who is 67, still working for a large employer. Um, she went on COBRA after the employer had to let her go. She did fine for about 10, 11 months. She saw a doctor once. She flew under the radar. That's what we call it, flying under the radar. You don't do anything that makes any waves or attracts any attention. But then she wound up in the emergency room where she got a stage four cancer diagnosis. Mm. She is outside of her special enrollment period. She no longer qualifies for a special enrollment period. She has to wait for the general enrollment period, which happens January through March. And when you have to use the general enrollment period, Medicare coverage doesn't begin until July. This all happened in about August. So she has to go from August all the way to July being the primary payer for cancer treatments. Herself. Because there's no coverage. Wow. There's no coverage. Oh, my goodness. And then what would that mean then for Medicare supplements then, right? If if she... Yes, she's not going to get it ever. Right. right. She's never going to qualify. So she can get a Medicare Advantage plan potentially, but there's um, when you are not healthy and on a Medicare Advantage plan, there is a lot of costs associated. Medicare Advantage is sort of like a pay-as-you-go system. It's zero premiums often, but then you pay every time you use healthcare services up to that plan's out-of-pocket spending limit. And you have to follow the rules of the Advantage plan. You have to see providers in a network. You have to get permission from the insurance company for certain services like cancer treatments. If you don't get that permission, if you don't stay in network, those bills are completely yours to pay. Yeah. So, so, so the, the wow. message is here, plan ahead, right? And, and so, and, and watch out for, yeah. for the gotchas. And it certainly sounds like being eligible for Medicare 
and electing Cobra is a is a could be a big gotcha. Yes, it's a huge gotcha because people just don't see it as different than well, they, em, their employer coverage. Yeah. So you need, need to treat it differently. Yeah, they assume I don't need Medicare. I'm covered by Cobra. Yeah. Right, right. And it's through my large employer and it's worked the same as it always has. And you can't, after the age of 65, if you want a special enrollment period, um, for the first uh, eight months, you can have a special enrollment period. But if you have COBRA nine months, 10 months, 11 months, you have to let COBRA run its entire course. If you drop it, you don't have a guaranteed issue right to get a supplement. You have to let it run its entire course in order to then trigger a special enrollment period with a guaranteed issue right. Wow, crazy. So a couple other things here. This is, you know, I know this is technical and it's complex and there's a lot of timelines and dates and we're certainly not trying to uh, make yeah. our, our audience edu- uh, Medicare experts here, but just understand <laughs> no. the, the general rules and know that you need to do some planning and find some right. good, good resources. Um, so in our practice, we are big fans of uh, health savings accounts. And mm-hmm. I know that they integrate in a very particular way with Medicare. Mm-hmm. So can you speak right. to us about uh, our clients who are approaching 65 who have health savings accounts as they yes. start making the Medicare decision? This one's easier. <laughs> I okay, promise. Good. And not I as promise. depressing. I hope. <laughs> so HSAs, once you are enrolled in any part of Medicare, Part A, Part B, Part D, whatever, you can no longer make contributions to your HSA. Okay. So the reason this is important is because there's assumptions out there. Again, like I'm turning 65, I have to enroll in Part A. Maybe, maybe not. Um, so really take some time to make sure that when you are going to be enrolling in Medicare that you know whether or not you have to do something and if you do, what's, what's in your best interest. So HSAs, if you want to continue making contributions after the age of 65, you cannot be enrolled in any part of Medicare. Gotcha. Okay. You're right. That, so. was, a little, that was a little simpler. So in that example, uh, if they wanted to keep contributing, they just wouldn't enroll in Part A. Uh, or, or, or obviously part A or B, but anyway. Right. In, in it. So we also do a lot of tax planning. Um, mm-hmm. And I, th- I think uh, many people are surprised frequently about their part B premium based on their income. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Because there's a thing called um, Irma. Irma. In- yeah. Uh, income <laughs> Irma's related, not a nice lady. <laughs> income related monthly adjustment amount for people that have made a decent amount of money in the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. a couple of things I would just want to ask your thoughts on is, um, you know, in the environment that we're in, a lot of people have lower income this year than they had last right. year or the year before. And um, so if, if we're looking a couple of years back in terms of their income, um, mm-hmm. describe to us a little bit about how Irma works, but also is there some way to get some adjustments to their premium based on their current reality as opposed to their old income? Absolutely. So Irma, again, yeah, she's not a nice lady. Um, Social Security will use your tax returns from two years ago to determine the current year's Irma premiums. Irma actually applies to Part B and Part D. 
so um, so you're going to wind up paying IRMA adjustments in both potentially. Um, but it's going to use your tax returns from two years ago, and we'll send you a letter saying, hey, you're a higher income person, pay up. But what if you just lost your job? Technically, that tax return from two years ago is all wrong. Like, I, I lost my job. What do you mean I have to pay higher premiums now in addition to having lost my job? Like, that's just a crock. <laughs> like, yay. <laughs> so there is this thing called the life-changing event notice. If your current income is substantially reduced or eliminated uh, compared to the income that Social Security is using from the tax returns from two years ago. If your current income is dramatically less due to a life-changing event, work stoppage, work reduction, death of a spouse, divorce, and a few other things, you can file this form telling Social Security, hey, my income's lower, please adjust my IRMA premiums accordingly. And going forward for the rest of the year, they will have to take your word for it because they can always double check you during your next tax returns. Um, and they will reduce your premiums accordingly. Gotcha. So, so but it has to be related to a life changing event. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there are at least some recourse if you, if you qualify to make some adjustments. Right. Yeah. So as right. we, as we get ready to wrap up, I, I, you know, in this environment, we also are, are, you know, I've heard stories of people that are trying to call and get information for a spouse and they're shut out. They can't get a lot of information on their spouse's financial situation. And I know we talk a lot about general estate planning and the documents that are required, but tell me a little bit about how, I mean, you know, in today you might have a, your spouse may be in the hospital and quarantined and you're at home, mm -hmm. but you've got to do the administrative work because they're in a hospital mm -hmm. bed and, you know, may not be all that codically, you know, uh, a, 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 you know willing able to ask questions to the service. So what are the techniques or the strategies so that both sure. spouses can get information to help administer healthcare for each other? Planning, 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 planning. Don't make assumptions, plan, plan, plan. So we have a client um, who came to us. Uh, uh, she, her husband's quarantined in the hospital, right? And she can't get information about his situation, can't make Medicare calls, can't make calls to the, um, to the hospital, what she's supposed to do now. Um, basically, if you take the steps that you're supposed to take ahead of time, life will become not easy, but so much easier. Um, powers of attorney. You want to have power of attorney documents into play. Uh, durable power of attorney. Okay, now, both of those are really key and really important. But in the world of Social Security and Medicare, these are not enough. Most so many people have powers of attorney, durable powers of attorney. They're not going to help you when it comes to Social Security and Medicare. You have to take extra steps for those. So to become, uh, to speak for somebody related to Medicare, you have to get what's called, you have to become a Medicare authorized representative. And you do that by filling out a form called the, <laughs> ready for this, 1-800-MEDICARE authorization to disclose personal health information form. <laughs> That's the name of the form, yeah. people. Yeah. I didn't make that up. Yeah, so you have to get that filled out ahead of time in order to have the legal authority to speak about Medicare issues with Medicare. Okay, second thing. 
you have to become a Social Security representative payee. Okay, so this is um, this has been really complicated in the past. They've made some changes recently to make it easier for spouses to become this representative payee without having to fill out all these budget forms and account for every penny of spending and things. So that's that's a really positive change. But you still have to take the time to get the legal authority to manage uh, beneficiary social security payments. So that's a separate step. Okay, and we're still not done. There's one more thing, sorry. You also have to reach out to the insurance companies. So if your significant other, your loved one, has a Medigap policy or a Medicare Advantage policy or a Part D prescription drug plan, you have to reach out to each one of those insurance companies to make sure that you're doing the, uh, the form, the authorization forms that they require, they require in order for you to be speaking for them. So three things, three steps. So yeah. in, addition in addition to powers of attorney. Normal, right. So in addition to your normal estate planning documents, uh, these three forms will be really important. Right. Beforehand. <laughs> obviously, Correct. Before you, yeah. need, before you need them. So those are great. And Lord knows are, what's going to happen now if you haven't filled out those forms, but you need to have power of attorney. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Now, now you're not going to tell me that you've got to take those forms in person to the office disclosed, are you? Uh, no, you have to mail, you mail them. Online. Okay, good. good. You mail them, but I don't know when they take action. Sure. Again, I don't know how long yeah. they'll take to process. And yeah, yeah. Well, this is a place where you know wealth managers or financial planners can be a great value if they at least know that we need to be doing these things and asking these questions at annual reviews. For instance, have you done these items um, and be sort of a personal trainer to our clients and mm -hmm. get them to do yeah. things that they don't think about doing? And gosh, we don't think about doing them until we're reminded in this type of mm -hmm. environment. So it's really important to document all the things that we need to check the boxes on. Um, so that's this is really a lot of information. And Melinda, this has been Sorry. very helpful. <laughs> no, it's perfect. This is exactly what we're looking for. And I just um, so. Before we fi finish up, tell me um, how people can follow you or your firm on social media sure. or um, sure. web pages um, or anything that you would like to share. Sure. Our two companies are uh, 65 Incorporated, um, number six, number five, Incorporated, all spelled out, dot com. Um, lots of consumer information, lots of quizzes, infographics, all sorts of Medicare-related goodies. We put out an info educational informational e-newsletter twice a month called Medicare Mail, which keeps you up to date on, on things like the, the nuances that we're talking about. Um, then there's also i65.com, i65.com, love that URL. <laughs> and basically what that is, it's um, software and resources to help uh, financial advisors help their clients make the best Medicare decisions. So consumers can use it, but honestly, we always prefer that you work with a financial advisor first and foremost for the more holistic elements of Medicare and healthcare planning in retirement because when you start realizing Medicare doesn't cover long-term care and you don't have long-term care insurance, well, 70% of people 65 and older are going to need long-term care. So how do we plan for that? Yeah. Having that sort of holistic resource is a huge, huge starting point. And then if that, that financial advisor feels like, oh my gosh, your situations, your nuances are so much bigger and broader, then you come to us. So then, then the specialist takes over. But 
for a lot of situations, especially a specialist isn't needed. So great. Well, thank you so much. This is really great. And and it and, and everything you just said talks a little bit about something Mike and I talk about frequently about collaborating with other professionals. I mean, there's no way that any one firm or individual can know everything that our clients need. Mm-hmm. So we really do have right. to rely on experts like Melinda. So thank you so much, Melinda. This has been You're awesome. Welcome. Thank you so much for the information, Mike. Any final comments or thoughts? No, that, that was. Uh, if not, we'll wrap up the show. Yeah, that thanks was, so much for your time. That was wonderful, Melinda. Thank you very much for your time. And it, a lot of information, but uh, valuable information. And I, I yeah. think I heard you say you should plan ahead. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's right. That's a big message. Yay, thank so. you. All right. So there you have it, folks. Another episode of the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. We hope you found today's discussion helpful as we did. So thanks for joining us. Don't forget, check out past episodes and also Jeff's blog at tandemgrowth.com forward slash perspectives. You'll also find every episode right there on iTunes. Check us out. Give us a rating as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or Mike or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at moneyandmeaning at tandemgrowth.com or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.